0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to set the table for all your Sunday action, laying out all the best bets. It's the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on the BetQL Network.
1: Good to be back once again here on BetQL. Thanks to everybody listening, of course, on the BetQL network and watching on Twitch as well. Good to have my partner back with me, Grant Paulson. Fresh off a trip to the Mecca that is Las Vegas. You were out there for the Washington football team last week taking on those Las Vegas Raiders. How was it, man?
2: Alex, it was phenomenal, bro. I'm telling you, everybody's got to make a trip to Allegiant Stadium. It is immaculate. Really impressive job that they did with whatever we're calling it. They call it the Death Star. I call it the the Roomba. I mean, it is a a unique-looking kind of hockey puck of a dome from outside, but indoors, it is absolutely gorgeous. It's right off the strip. I was really wondering, what's the environment? What's the energy in the building going to be like? Because you probably just have a lot of people out in Vegas who are going to the game in the same way they'd go see some musical show uh, who are just kind of stumbling off the strip, but it was... Loud, and and there was an intensity and a pizzazz and some juice in the building from the home fans. So, really, really impressive. It won't be long before, obviously, they have the Pro Bowl coming up this year, but they're hosting Super Bowls. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just did some kind of rotation where, you know, every three years they go between there and somewhere in Florida and and maybe Houston or something and and just rotate because it's built perfectly for those big events. But I had a blast. It was great to, to be in. Sports books, a little brick and mortar with the, with the paper tickets in my hand watching oh, games. Yeah. And I'm pumped to be back with you.
1: Yeah, good to have you back, man. And yeah, Las Vegas, they can host as many events as they want. Fine by me. More opportunities to go to Las Vegas is always good with me. I'm sure there's a Final Four at some point scheduled there in the very near future. It might already, It might already be uh, already set up for that in the next couple of years. We'll get to our favorite plays of the week. Our pick six, our Sunday studs coming up in a little bit. And also, I'm very happy. I can't wait for the hail Marys. Cause guess what finally happened? Uh, you know, you know what happened? Not oh. you, Grant, this guy finally hit a hail Mary. So we'll get to that a little bit later on uh, in the show, but before we even go around the league, I mean, at this point in time in the season, you start to get a sense of some of these season long awards, or at least we think we get a sense of those. And let's look at coach of the year because right now, Bill Belichick once again is a favorite to be coach of the year. It's been a long time. Typically, as we know how these awards work, if, you're, you're someone that's consistently going to the playoffs. You're someone that's consistently winning 12-plus games a year. It's awfully hard for you to win that award because that's the that's the expectation. Everybody's like, okay, yeah, we know you can do that. But nobody really saw the Patriots having a chance to be the number one seed. And so over with our friends at FanDuel, Bill Belichick is plus 150, favorite to be the nfl coach of the year and i I think it's gonna be awfully tough for him not to be coach of the year at this point grant just because if you take a look at what happened on monday night everybody's infatuated with the fact that the patriots got the win over the bills and they only threw the ball three times so i think it's gonna be awfully tough for bill belichick not to win it
2: well they should be infatuated by that i mean that was one of the most incredible and unique nfl games that's been played in recent history uh the wins. And the snow were obviously a factor, but you still shouldn't be able to high school football somebody. I mean, what are the Bills doing? They're lining up. They're running basically four or five plays out of different looks. At one point in the second half, they ran the same play to the same gap a handful of times in a row, and you just couldn't stop it. It's pretty embarrassing. Uh, The Patriots schedule ahead. They idle, obviously, this weekend. They have Indianapolis. I think that's a really tough game. Could end their winning streak potentially on the road. We'll see. Then they have the Bills again. We just saw them bully the Bills. I think that's a terrible matchup for Buffalo. They're more finesse, whereas New England's just a physical, imposing team. But then they close with the Jags and the Dolphins. I think that's a couple of wins. I mean, they're going to be at 11, maybe 12 victories at the end of this thing. And, yeah, you can wrap that that Coach of the Year trophy up and just go ahead and put it in the mail. Send it to Bill Belichick. I think it's over. He got to a point. You're a victim of your own success as a coach sometimes as it pertains to these awards. Because if you're just a great coach who has a great team every single year and you're always winning double-digit games, that's not really the formula, right? The formula is that guy was on the hot seat. That guy was getting columns written about how he's not any good anymore. Maybe you were supposed to be under 500 or mediocre and your teams ended up being great. Well, Belichick hasn't been eligible for a long time in that regard, short of like running the table, which is what he would have had to do. But yeah. here's how I know it's over. You know, they come into the year. The expectation is this is the Bills' division to lose. They're going to be okay. Maybe just maybe by the end of the year they could be a wild card team. Right now they're number one in the conference. So he checks that box. But Cliff Kingsbury, did you see what he said this week, Alex? He basically yeah, he said says as the award's named
1: after him, right?
2: Yeah, and he said as long as Belichick's coaching, like none of us <laughs> should win the award. <laughs> so uh, that's your runner up. Like, that's the guy you're competing against. And he's basically just taking himself out of the conversation. Bill Belichick, enjoy your award.
1: The The only thing I'll say about this, though, on top, because I agree, I agree. I think we're on the same page here with Belichick is he's not, you know, Harbaugh's not going to win it, but the value on his on, on his odds right now is still wild to me. So over at FanDuel, John Harbaugh is plus five thousand. He's like the 19th coach uh, as far as odds or something like that at this point in time. I understand people are off the Ravens train, understandably so. The injuries have finally caught up to them. But they're probably still going to win the AFC North. And considering those injuries, that's still one of the best coaching jobs we're going to see this year. So I just – I guess I have an issue the fact that it looks like Harbaugh is not going to get any love anymore at all. Like, to me, he's still – if if they were to break it down and actually let you vote on runner-ups and not just, hey, who's going to win it. Like, Harbaugh should still be getting second or third place votes as far as I'm concerned if they still end up winning the AFC North. When you look at all the injuries and i think this last one is finally going to catch up to him and marlon humphrey being out for the season
2: i would agree with that he was actually my coach of the year pick when we last talked about this a month or maybe five weeks ago or so a lot's changed since then and in fact right now i would be more surprised if he you know if they made the playoffs probably then i would if or i should say if they won the division than okay. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. if you know they, they fell out of the picture. I mean, this is a team that they're taking on water, that the injuries are catching up to them. Now, I think they absolutely are still in the conversation, could absolutely squeak in, but I'm not convinced they're going to win the North at this point. This is a huge game for them this weekend against Cleveland. I just don't like how Lamar Jackson's playing. I understand they're a run-first team. They lost three running backs to injury. They've reshuffled the offensive line all year. I think Greg Roman, because of that, is getting a little undue flack because this is a tough situation but Lamar Jackson they're about to pay him all of the money like stop arm punting interceptions I don't really know what he's doing Uh, he's an unbelievable player but he's got to make better decisions with the football because they're just not built right now to win shootouts and if you're turning the ball over with bad interceptions a couple times a game it's not going to work out for this group
1: yeah the Baltimore Cleveland game is one of our spotlight games we'll get to that in a second let's get to our first spotlight game though Buffalo Bills, three and a half point underdogs at Tampa Bay. The total for this game at 53 and a half. And I have a play on this for one of my pick sixes, which we'll get to coming up in the next segment, Grant. But we all know what happened on Monday night to to Buffalo and terrible weather and everything like that. I mean, I think if, if you see how Buffalo's defense played against New England, even when everybody knew exactly what was coming their way, and that, of course, was... They literally were willing to run the ball every play but three. And they honestly didn't even need to run, you know, pass the ball, I should say, even three times in that performance. Buffalo is so one-dimensional right now offensively. But I actually, and I don't want to spoil my pick here, but like I actually like Buffalo in this spot here because it's one of those where everybody's counting them out at this point in time. Everybody's down on Buffalo. I didn't think Josh Allen played that poorly on Monday night. Dawson Knox, a couple terrible drops, a couple drops from Stefan Diggs as well. I know the the Bucs are clearly the the better team in how they're playing, but if you're giving me three and a half points, it's awfully tempting here to take the Buffalo Bills who suddenly have to start winning these games down the stretch uh, because of the Patriots, as you mentioned a second ago,
2: and they're likely going to win that AFC East now. Yeah, so this is the best game, in my opinion, of the weekend, so I'm glad we're starting here. I don't have a play on this game. If I were going to, I would go opposite you here. I would take the Bucs. At home, they are a completely different team. You look at the splits, the games where they've really struggled or disappointed, you know, when they're losing to Washington, when they're having a problem with the Saints, they're on the road. It's at home where they got right against the New York Giants, where they look like a complete juggernaut, really. It's because of what they've done at Raymond James Stadium that they're in the conversation of being a number one seed and getting a bye. and having a chance at the super bowl as a road team, they're pedestrian I and mean, they're very beatable. So I would be hundred percent with you if this game was being played in Orchard park, but with it being in Tampa, I think they cover that number of three and a half. I think they have some style points doing it. My issue with the bills. And even though this is an environment where you're not going, it's not going to be freezing. It's not going to be cold. And this is a problem particularly because their home environment is that way too. They just don't really have a portable offense at this point. This is why I don't like them in the playoffs, if and when they get there. And right now, that's not a lock anymore because they've struggled. But they're extremely one-dimensional. Dable doesn't really want to call run plays. They rarely do it. But their running attack is top 10 in the league. It's deceiving. That's with Josh Allen scrambling and some of what he adds to the equation. Uh, I wouldn't even try to run in this game, by the way. The Bucs are tremendous at stopping the run. I would probably run the ball three times. Put the entire game on Josh Allen's hands and say, hey, scramble or throw the rock. Let's try to get some man coverage and you know, run some vertical routes and see if we can't find a way to pick up 15, 16 in chunks with you leaving the pocket. That's kind of the formula for me. But I like Tampa Bay in this matchup.
1: Yeah, this is one of those where people look so much that happened on Monday night against New England. And I get it. People are jumping off. The Buffalo Bills bandwagon here and, and a lot of the money on, on the public side is coming in on the Tampa Bay bucks. we've seen so much this year in the NFL where just when you think you have that team figured out they go out and have you know a surprise performance or whatever it may be and so that's kind of what I'm banking on I love your point about the Bucks defense. And against the run and that's a big reason why when we get to our pick six you guys can already tell and i like buffalo plus three and a half is because against this team i don't know if it matters that you can't run anyway not many teams are trying to run against vita vea and that the defensive line there down in tampa to begin with so i don't know actually the fact that they're one-dimensional is is impactful in this game against this opponent as weird as that may sound as it would be if they were playing a team that mo- that you're able to run the ball against or anybody's able to run the ball against but there's no questions or an issue with the buffalo bills i just think the only thing a i'll say really quick about that yeah. is
2: because i think strategically and I'm, I'm actually i'm a throw the ball guy right over a run yeah. the ball guy i think that's how you move the ball that's where points come from in this league so you're not going to hear me beating coaches up i think dable takes it to the extreme and probably should find a little more balance only to slow down the pass rush occasionally the only reason i think this week it could rear its head is a problem because i would pass it 95 percent of the time against tampa bay as well is that they start dropping into some coverages they start doing some things on the back end where they can get their hands on a football or two and that's what i would worry about is a one or two interceptions tip pass something like that that may not normally happen just because i mean if you're quite literally not even trying to do it now the bucks know that too
1: all right, let's get to our uh, other spotlight game here on the Sunday spread. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. Baltimore, plus two and a half at Cleveland. AFC North showdown here. The total at 42 and a half. We, we touched on, <clears throat> excuse me, Lamar Jackson a little bit. And, and that's the thing with, with Baltimore right now. The one sure thing, at least what we shot was a third thought was a sure thing, was Lamar Jackson. And he is playing at a below average level right now. He's throwing in inter- multiple interceptions left and right on a fairly consistent Basis at this point in time. And I and look, both these teams offensively have their issues. There's no question about that. It's not like Cleveland is humming by any means on the offensive side of things, but I just think the injuries are finally, finally gonna catch up to the Baltimore Ravens. They were able to mask it to their credit all season long. It's why, again, I think John Harbaugh should still be getting more coach of the year love. But Marlon Humphrey, your number one, your number two corners are all now out for the season. I mean, at some point, I don't care how great of a, a talent that you have at quarterback, even when he's right. How great of a coach you have! It just you, you can't you just can't mask it anymore, and I think that's where they're at. And, and Cleveland, on the other hand, they're getting a little healthier at this point in time. We know Baker's got the injury all season; he's going to deal with. But I, I like this in a divisional spot. I like Cleveland in this game. Baltimore is just hard to back at this point in time.
2: They are hard to back. I'm going to have a play coming up uh, in our pick segment on this game in just a few moments. I think that the secondary issues you allude to, which are dramatic and they are massive for the Ravens, are going to rear their heads more against the Packers next week and eventually right after Christmas against the Bengals. Certainly thereafter against Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham and and Van Jefferson against the Rams. And it's going to be a problem for them defending on the back end in the weeks ahead. I'm not sure that the Browns have the personnel right now to fully take advantage of that, right? And while I think that, no guy, Jarvis Landry could have a better game and there's going to be some chunks that they might be able to to go and make and play action under Kevin Stefanski. They're not going to get away from what they do. It was only a couple weeks ago that we saw these two teams play and Baker Mayfield completed only 18 passes and had more incompletions than that. I think he was 18 of 37 uh, in the game. So they're going to try to run the football. That's what they want to be. That's what they have to be. This was a game with 26 total points the last time it was played. I'm taking an under in this game. We saw Lamar Jackson throw four picks when these two teams met. I, I think he's going to probably uh, keep that number down to one or two in this game and he'll make some adjustments. But uh, I do I, – I think that the Ravens, as you said, are free-falling. I'm just not sure if this is the week where you're going to see all of their problems get exposed.
1: More about Cleveland for you, it sounds like. It's more about this is you exactly. know, this is still a Cleveland Browns team that hasn't exactly been been lighting the world on fire whatsoever. It's just – Man, I, you know, I, I was actually for much of the early part of the season when those were saying, oh, the Ravens are done. They're going to win six or seven games. Like, no, 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 no. This is still Harbaugh. This is still Lamar Jackson. And for the most part, that's been true. Here they are. They're sitting still atop the AFC North. And I still believe they'll end up winning 10 games this year. But now I think you, you, you get to a point where... It starts to catch up to you. And now with those injuries, and I think this is this is that moment, unfortunately, for the Baltimore Ravens. Those are some of our spotlight games. A great slate here in week 14. He's Grant Paulson. I'm Alex Gold. We're just getting started here on the Sunday spread. Coming up next, our pick six, our favorite plays of the weekend. We'll also get to our prop bets, our Sunday studs here on BetQL.
0: Every Sunday morning, start your day off with FanDuel
1: Game Day from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern with Jeremy Kahn and Chris Mack. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey
0: app and streaming live on Twitch.tv. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL.
2: This is the Sunday Spread on BetQL and on Twitch. We appreciate you listening and watching the show. As always, Alex Gold alongside. I'm Grant Paulson. Alex, we'll get to our picks in just a moment. Already week 14 in the NFL. That is both awesome because it's the playoff push and depressing because the weeks are starting to dwindle on us, bro.
1: I don't think people, uh, Grant, are having too much of an issue now that we have that extra week, selfishly for fans, right? At least we get one extra one this year. Maybe the players have a different feel on that. But that's the only saving grace here that it's already December is that knowing, well, we got, an extra, we got an extra 18th week at least this season. So there is at least more football guaranteed this year than ever before.
2: And more opportunities for folks like you and I that like to bet on the games to get a couple of wins. So let's get to our picks this week in our pick six.
0: The pick six.
2: All right, last week, your boy, two and one. I think you were on the right side of 500 as well, so let's keep the train on the tracks with some momentum. Where are you starting in the pick six this week, Alex? Yeah,
1: it was one of the games we focused on a little bit during the, the spotlight games of the week, too, Grant. How about Buffalo? Plus three and a half at Tampa at one point. It was Buffalo just as three-point dogs. So we've had some line movement here in the last 24 hours or so. And I I didn't think Josh Allen actually played that poorly against New England on Monday Night Football in that loss. The factor in the elements and some hideous drops from Dawson Knox and Stephon Diggs. I I didn't think he played that poorly. And you're you're right, as we were talking earlier. This is a one-dimensional offense for Buffalo. I get the concerns there. They have no running game. But to me, against Tampa, it may not actually be as big of a problem because nobody runs against them really anyway and there's teams that don't even try to keep Tampa honest at times they, they just know going into these games they're going to struggle if Vita is there in the middle on that defensive line I think it's a prime spot for the Bills defense also uh, to, to bounce back after that being kind of the focus even though they only gave up 14 points but being embarrassed to a certain degree because everybody knew New England was going to run on them and they didn't have an answer I just think the elements factored into that as well and so I like Buffalo on the road Uh, to kind of go against the the grain here a little bit and and take them to cover the three and a half.
2: Yeah, I'm going to have a similar play in that I'm going to zig when most people are zagging here with my first pick, Alex. I'm going to the AFC North and to the Ravens and the Browns. We talked about this game a little bit in our preview earlier and it seemed like you were all over the Browns. I'm going to take Baltimore, catching a couple of points here. The Ravens are being counted out, and I understand why with all their injuries. I think before the end of the year, they're going to be in trouble. But at plus two and a half, this is more for me about an indictment of Cleveland than it is an endorsement of Baltimore and the Ravens. First of all, I think Lamar Jackson is due to progress here. Uh, He has not played well. His quarterback rating against the Blitz over the last three weeks is nine point something, like under 10. Uh, That won't sustain. I don't think that continues, but on top of that, I think if he stops forcing the ball to Mark Andrews, which is where a lot of his interceptions have come from, and he just pulls the ball down and runs more often, Uh, this offense can fix itself a little bit. They are not scoring. They aren't moving the ball like they once were. Some of those injuries on the offensive line in the backfield have clearly piled up for them. But I'm just not a believer in the Browns. I've been ultra-disappointed this year. I I don't think Baker Mayfield is a guy right now who, at his health and, and the way that he's playing, and quarterback this team into the mid-20s, high-20s. So, for me, if Baltimore can score 23 or 24 points, that's about where they need to be. And, Alex, you just saw them hang with Pittsburgh, a desperate Steelers team, and they went for a two-point conversion or else they might have won that game, and maybe there's a little bit of momentum and a different conversation going into this game. So, give me the Ravens catching two-and-a-half to get it started.
1: Yeah, good AFC North showdown there. I'm heading to the AFC West for my next pick here Kansas City minus eight and a half. Now it's gone up to 10 here late in the week with some more injury news on the Raiders front as they get that take on Kansas City at Arrowhead. And who, who does Derek Carr throw the ball to? I mean, it's Hunter Renfro and Deshaun Jackson available. That's, that's it. They already lost, as we know, earlier in the season. Their deep threat with Henry Ruggs. Waller's hurt. He's out for this game. I just don't know where the offense comes from there in Las Vegas against the Chiefs defense. It's crazy to say because the first five weeks of the season, they were historically bad, not just bad. They were on a historically bad pace. Now they've been playing defense as good as anyone other than New England the last five or six weeks. They're giving up an under under 12 points per game right now. This defense is completely different. Now what's interesting for Kansas City is their their last time out against Las Vegas was their best offensive performance of the season. It was that 41-14 win on Sunday Night Football while the defense has only got better offensively it was viewed at least even here in kansas city as maybe that breakout game for mahomes and the players were saying they got their swagger back honestly offensively we haven't seen anything like that but i just don't see how las vegas scores to keep it close i don't think kansas city scores 41 again but if kansas city to me gets to 21 24 points which is a little bit above what they've been actually averaging the last uh, three weeks then I don't know how Las Vegas is getting anywhere near, you know, 17, 20 points against this Chiefs defense right now. So to me, Kansas City, I love it at minus eight and a got to be careful if you start and actually get the number at minus 10. But give me KC minus eight and a half as of Thursday and Friday earlier in the week.
2: Just a big number to cover. And the Chiefs notoriously, as you know, going back to about midway through last year, have really struggled to cover numbers in the upper single digits, certainly in double digits. It's just not what they've done, even occasionally getting beaten on backdoor covers. So that's where I looked at that game. I get a little bit worried. Uh, The Raiders did only score 15 points to your point this past weekend, missed a two point conversion that could have got them to 17 and maybe forced overtime as they lost to a team in the NFC East. Uh, The Chiefs defense has been a revelation you're right here's what they've done the last several weeks they've allowed nine to the Broncos nine to the Cowboys 14 to the Raiders uh, just seven to the Packers the high watermark has been 17 to the Giants going back to pre-Halloween so uh, they have completely turned themselves around and you know the offense playing a little bit better is a factor but this is really just a defensive renaissance Uh, let's go to the NFC East and to the team actually That beat the Raiders last weekend, and that's the Washington football team for my second play. I'm in the nation's capital. I've studied this game all week long, and while I think Dallas wins the game outright, and I will be very surprised if they don't, and if they don't ultimately win the division, I think four and a half here is an enticing and, dare I say, a friendly number for the football team. Uh, They have won four straight games. Their defense, like Kansas City's, has gone from being one of the worst in football to one of the best in the last month. They're a top five unit in yards and points in that time. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys just don't quite look right to me. They've had one vintage, terrific, early season-like performance here as we've gotten deeper into the year, and that was in a 40-point blowout win over the Falcons. But otherwise, it's been a real struggle for them since they got absolutely blitzed and annihilated by the Denver Broncos. They'll win because they're more talented and they're better, but I think Washington mucks it up. Keeps the game close. They've committed to the run under their play caller, Scott Turner. Antonio Gibson's getting mid-20s carries just about every single game in their four wins since the bye week. I don't think Dallas can stop their running game. I don't, I don't know that Washington's going to score a whole lot, 34 points combined for them the last two weeks in wins. But I think that they can slow the game down and kind of dictate terms a little bit. The Cowboys win this one something like 24-20, to 24-21. 20, I like Washington to cover four and a half.
1: You said it there about the about the defense. It is pretty remarkable how the last two teams we've referenced here have completely flipped the script uh, on their defense of performances. My only hesitation is what you said uh, there a short while ago, which is you know that Washington's not going to score 30 points or anything like that. And so if there is any any mistake from that Washington offense, I'm talking about you know a, a turnover that leads to points immediately, a pick six, that, that, to me, is where where Washington would be in trouble. Now, if you believe it's going to be a clean game and Taylor Heineke is going to protect the football and they're going to, they're not going to have any turnovers, then I think it falls into, yeah, it's going to be a close game and maybe it is a, a three-point win because I, I can't see Washington winning this game either. But my only concern would be is if, if Dallas is able to force a turnover and kind of steal possession, I don't know if Washington has the, the firepower to actually go ahead and cover this game, if that's the case. That scares me a little bit. I kind of just stay away from from that game overall uh, my last one is uh, a game you reference i'm on the opposite side though is cleveland and baltimore you know i like cleveland minus two and a half in this game against the ravens as we hit on it during our spotlight games i mean injuries to me have just finally now caught up to baltimore john harbaugh has had you know done a great job with this team who's been riddled with all these injuries but marlon humphrey isn't just a random guy that you got hurt he's your number one corner you were already down your number two corner in Marcus Peters' very beginning of this season. And Lamar Jackson's play, he's been horrendous. Let's call it like it is here recently. 24th in passer rating, second in interceptions, first in sacks. That's not all his fault. Over the last seven weeks. And so Baltimore's only scored 20 points once in the last six games. So that's my issue here with Baltimore. I do like Cleveland to get the win and cover probably a a three to five point win. So I like them at minus two and a half.
2: We're both taking... Some underdogs off and on here, and I'm going to make it three for three with teams catching points for my picks this week. I don't know why I looked at the the spreads, and I just didn't love a whole lot of the favorites to cover, but I like the Lions, and 10 points in their favor against the Denver Broncos. It's very simple for me with Detroit plus 10. The Broncos are not that good offensively. 10 points Mm -hmm. is a lot of points to cover, and this is one of the things I kind of like to do when I'm looking at games. If someone's favored by double digits and they don't have much firepower and they don't score a whole lot, generally I go the other way. Like If you don't score 30, covering 10 gets pretty difficult in this league because you open yourself up for the backdoor cover. So the Lions coming off their first win, you'd think maybe a letdown spot. They finally accomplished their goal of getting off the schneid. I don't think they win the game. I'm not even sure they're particularly close to winning the game. But maybe you get a late score against Prevent. You lose by seven or eight points, six points, something like that. The Broncos are just okay. They're not that good. Normally, 10-point lines are reserved for good teams. So give me the Lions plus 10 to round out our pick six. Those are our thoughts on the teams. Let's get to the individuals and some of the studs that we're forecasting this weekend.
0: The Sunday Spread presents the Sunday Studs.
2: All right, Alex, you get us popping, brother.
0: Yeah, I'm
1: going to go to the running backs. Let's take a look at those running backs. How about in that Tampa Bay game this weekend against the Buffalo Bills, one of our, our key games and spotlight games. Leonard Fournette might surprise some people based on what the Bills' defense just allowed to the New England Patriots, but I'm going to go Leonard Fournette under half rushing yards. Your, your instinct might be to take the over. Oh, my goodness, everybody's running all over Buffalo all of a sudden. Now the Bills allow about a, 170 yards per game on the ground and they're 12th against the run. It was a New England Patriots that had been a very effective rushing attack to begin with. You had the weather conditions that set it up perfectly, and you're going up against Bill Belichick. So Leonard Fournette, while he's had a very impressive season, a lot of it has actually come in the receiving game, where we've seen some big-time performances. Like, he's probably going to have a touchdown in this game. It's a good anytime touchdown bet. But I'm going to go under 56 and a half rushing yards. Over his last three games, he's averaging right around 59, so his, it would be right around his average. But I actually think... The Bills defense kind of takes some of that personally based on the comments from what happened against New England. You know, I like Buffalo in this game, too, so it all kind of fits in here. Give me the under 56.5 rushing yards for Leonard Fournette.
2: Yeah, I see the game script you're looking at. Uh, I see a coaching change calling plays in Carolina. Matt Rule and and Joe Brady supposedly were butting heads a little bit over how much they were running the ball. Rule wants to pound the football. This could be kind of one of those statement message-type games against the Falcons where – If I lose, I'm losing doing it my way because I just told a guy to get out of here because he wasn't doing it my way. So I think they pound the football. I like Chuba Hubbard because of that. The number's 59 and a half. I could see him getting 18 to 22 carries as they rededicate themselves this weekend. And if he does that, he should easily be able to clear that 59 and a half threshold in a game where Atlanta, the number 15 run defense in yards per play, they're fine but they're aggressively mediocre and okay. Like, there's nothing dominant about that run front defensively. Uh, I think he gets over 59 and a half. I feel real good about that as my first play here.
1: You know, Joe Brady out of the mix. I think we were all surprised to see him let go and maybe leads to a college opportunity. But uh, I, I get the idea that you're going for there, that with him out of the mix, maybe Matt Rule goes back to running the football a little bit. We'll keep an eye on that one. I'm going to go to the AFC West. From my next one in and a play with a tight end here in travis kelsey over 73 and a half receiving yards the chiefs taking on the las vegas raiders on sunday out at arrowhead the raiders flat out uh, have not been good against tight ends in football this year plain and simple they give it up the fourth most receiving uh, yards third most receiving yards fourth most receptions to tight ends this year and the first matchup and it was a blowout win as we know for the chiefs 41 14 Eight catches, a buck nineteen for Kelsey. Just look at the history of Travis Kelsey against this Raiders defense. And I know Gus Bradley is the new defensive coordinator, but I just told you what he did a few weeks ago. But even last year, week eleven, Kelsey, eight catches, a buck twenty seven, and a touchdown. Week five last year against the Raiders, eight catches, one oh eight and a touchdown. I think Travis Kelsey's in for a big day once again against the Raiders. Over seventy three and a half receiving yards.
2: He said a down season. That would be big for him to have a monster game. I'll double dip here and close out with my second and third plays from the same game. I have a play in this game, Washington and Dallas, one of the biggest matchups in football this weekend. Amari Cooper hasn't gone over his projected number 54 and a half yards in four weeks that ends this weekend. I think he gets to close to a hundred yards against Washington secondary. Remember Tony Pollard hurt may play. Ezekiel Elliott hurt will play. They're going to throw the ball a lot against the football team. And in that same game, wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin for Washington. The number sixty-two and a half. 62 and a half. I like him over there. Uh, those are our individual plays for our Sunday studs. As we continue on your Sunday spread, we'll take a dive into all the games and go around the league next, right here on BetQL and Twitch.
1: Sunday, get all your wagertainment with the You Better, You Bet countdown to kick off from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Available on BetQL and the Odyssey app and streaming live on Twitch.tv.
0: Welcome back to the Sunday Spread with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold on BetQL.
2: A huge slate of games ready to kick off week 14 underway thanks to a wacky Thursday night tilt between Pittsburgh and Minnesota. This is the Sunday spread Alex Gold and I'm Grant Paulson. Let's go around the NFL get you set for all of the matchups this weekend of the games I would say all but one still have playoff implications so let's run through them starting with the Las Vegas Raiders catching 10 points at the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium 47 and a half is the total Alex you're based in KC so I'll set the table here and just let you roll. Uh, what's the gut feel in town about this matchup?
1: For a team that you normally you have all this buildup and rivalry, the Raiders in town, it hasn't had that feeling, Kansas City, for much of the week. And a lot of it, it has to do with, A, the first meeting, 41-14, and suddenly the the Raiders slipping backwards, right? I mean, this is a must-win for the Raiders. They're 6-6. Six and six. You start looking at the AFC wildcard picture, certainly the divisional picture. If the Raiders lose this game, they have no chance in the division anymore. So that's what's at stake for the Raiders. It's a massive game. And for Kansas City, the only worry here is, all right, are you looking past the Raiders a little bit, which typically is something you never would say because you know, normally it has this Raider week buildup in the rivalry. But it's a quick turnaround after Sunday for Kansas City. They go out to L.A. on Thursday, take on the Raiders. And if Kansas City wins on Sunday against the Raiders, and they beat the Chargers. This division is done. So I think the, the, the Chiefs realize the focus here of the next next really five days or so to be able to wrap up the AFC West and, and also somehow keep pace for the number one seed in the AFC because I believe Kansas City has to win out to get the number one.
2: Everything you're saying is correct. Uh, so that I would just to add to that, though. It, and I would just add really quickly, Alex, to that. From the Raiders' side of things, because you're, you're looking at it from the KC perspective, right? If they win, they're a game back in the division. And Remember, that was a super lopsided score. That was actually a fairly close game, middle of the second half. And Deshaun Jackson caught a long pass. I think the lead was 10 at the time. They could have cut into that. He fumbled awkwardly. The Chiefs went and scored, and next thing you knew, it was a complete blowout. Uh, so this could be a game where they hang. I think not having Darren Waller was ruled out on Friday yeah, night for a second watch. straight game is going to be a disaster for them.
1: Next up, as we continue going around the the league here, how about the New Orleans Saints and the Jets? The Saints minus five and a half at the Jets, the total at 43. I mean, these are these are two teams not playing very well, to say the least. The Saints have lost five games in a row. The Jets have lost four of five. And yet again, Taysom Hill going to get the nod, despite that, that injury in his finger, that tendon injury in his finger. I'm curious to see if Taysom Hill actually finishes this game as the quarterback. Look, we saw what he can do with his legs. And I know on the national broadcast last week, that, you that know, everybody was getting excited the first quarter or two, and then you realize, oh, yeah, Taysom Hill, he can't throw the football consistently with, what, four interceptions that he had. I think Trevor Simeon actually gets in this game at some point in time. I don't like this game for either team whatsoever. This is one of those you stay away from. If you force me to make a play on it, I actually like the total uh, under 43 in this game between the Jets and the Saints with two bad quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, I am not touching this game. I don't like either of these teams. The Saints have become a shell of themselves. I think a lot of people are pointing as a line of demarcation to the Jameis Winston injury. I don't completely buy that. They've lost plenty of linemen since. They haven't had Alvin Kamara for the most part since. I mean, I think those are bigger deals. But it doesn't matter if it's been Trevor Simeon, who they've benched for Taysom Hill or Taysom Hill, who threw four picks last week. It's just been ugly. And I don't know if Sean Payton's. He can look at the answer key all he wants to, that Scantron. I mean, there aren't any answers on it right now uh, with his personnel. Jacksonville is catching eight and a half at Tennessee. You'd like to say, well, the Titans are going to roll. This game looks like a a no problem situation for them, but their offense since they lost Derrick Henry is quietly taking one big step back after another. You look at yards per play and some of the advanced metrics, kind of what you would have forecasted has happened. Now I will say that they've got a couple of running backs who are running the ball pretty well for them right now in Hilliard and Foreman, but, Ryan Tannehill, who's had some games where he's turned the football over, more put on his plate, has struggled. They are good enough defensively to suffocate the Jags, and I think the way they would cover in this game, 43 and a half is the total, is if they're able to hold Jacksonville to 10, 13, 14 points, something like that. If Jacksonville gets upwards of close to 20 against this good defense, I think covering becomes very, very difficult. I'm not sure if Tennessee at this point has a 30-point uh, club in their bag, so to speak, but... I like them to cover because I think they'll play really good defense in the Jacksonville offense, as you saw last week against the Rams. Just very, very flawed right now. The first season that we're seeing here as a rookie for the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, has not gone well because he's just not getting a lot of support.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, that's why I even also, for, for our Sunday studs, like Trevor Lawrence under his passing yards total for everything that you just highlighted as well. And I want to see what Tennessee looks like off the bye week. We know they're so undermanned as well in that wide receiving core. But the time off. Maybe they were able to scheme up some things here to help out Ryan Tannehill a little bit and and get that offense rolling again. Of course, that team has been in a major funk the last three or four weeks, and Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones all banged up. I'm going to the NFC South for our next game here on Around the League. Atlanta, plus 2.5 at Carolina, the total at 42.5. I actually like Atlanta in this game. It was almost one of my my pick-six plays as well. Last time these two teams played, it was the Panthers getting that win, 19 to 13 here, and these two teams, I think, are actually fairly evenly matched. They're both not only record-wise, 5 and 7, but you just take a look at kind of the inconsistency from these two teams. I don't think offensively either team is capable of really running away with this game, so to me, it's going to be a tightly contested game. The one thing with Carolina, we know, if you take a look at their defense here, they've suddenly allowed 24 more points in each of their defeats here against the Falcons as of late recent history as well, and my question will be, for carolina do they have an answer for cordero patterson as long as patterson's healthy and playing he's been a problem for everybody in every game that he's been healthy he's the only reason why that atlanta that atlanta offense has been able to have any sort of success but he can do it all i think that's a problem for carolina's defense i'll take the team that you're giving me points what i think will be a tightly contested divisional game between these two teams and you mentioned matt rules kind of the the guy now back in charge there with a few other staff members now that joe brady's out of the picture And it'll be, I think, a slower pace game as well. So you might want to take a look at the total 42-and-a-half. I like the under.
2: i got to look for, by the way, and maybe an individual prop in that game is Russell Gage, the 6-foot wide receiver who's 25 years old. He finished the season really strong for the Falcons last year. He had 72 catches and over 780 yards with four touchdowns. He got off to a really slow, even a bad start, I'd say. But suddenly here is trending up at a touchdown and six catches against the Jags. Couple weeks back, then this past week, eleven for a buck thirty for him was kept out of the end zone. But he's starting to be utilized more as the Falcons have tried to find new ways to move the football over these last couple of weeks. We talked about Dallas and Washington. The Cowboys are four and a half point favorites against the football team. The total is forty-eight. Dak Prescott, since coming back from his respite little injury where he missed the primetime game against the Vikings, has just not been sharp, not quite as accurate as he had been previously. And again, he was playing at a level where maybe he was the best quarterback in football for the first half of the season. I needed to get him going again, and they may have a chance to in this matchup against Washington. The football team's really good at stopping the run. Tony Pollard may not play, didn't practice at all this week. He's a game-time decision, supposedly uh, has a tear in his foot, the plantar fascia uh, on a 50-plus yard run against the Saints. Uh, He injured himself. You already know that Ezekiel Elliott's not right. He looks like he's running on one leg and hobbling around the field. I wouldn't think Dallas tries to run the ball a ton. I think Kellen Moore looks at the plan this week and says, let's spread Washington out and quick game and try to take some shots. I think the Cowboys will get into the 20s. I don't think they cover, though. Washington's frisky. They'll be able to run the ball. They've dominated time of possession the last few weeks. Look for that formula again in a cover in a loss for Washington if I'm drawing this thing up this weekend.
1: That Pollard injury is massive because I I, I thought, man, you got to just rest Zeke the rest of the regular season, get him right for the playoffs. now, now you're in a spot where we know, as you said, Zeke's banged up. But if Tony Pollard's also banged up, you get you get some trouble there. Man, they got they got enough offensive weapons. You still think Dallas would be able to figure things out not only at the quarterback spot, but when most teams don't have that luxury of having. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup's a free agent this offseason that's going to get paid like a number one or number two wide receiver. And they got all him as their number three target. I'm staying in the NFC uh, for next on Around the League. Seattle minus eight and a half. And uh, I guess a cross-conference game at Houston. The total at 41 and a half. This game is down in Houston. This is another one of those where you're like, I have zero interest in having a, any, any type of play on this game between two bad football teams. Russell Wilson the Seahawks they might have had a nice showing last week but overall this is still a Seattle team that I just I just don't trust despite beating the 49ers uh, of last week 30 to 23 I mean look this is a Seattle offense right now that still has been inconsistent I still don't believe Russell Wilson is right and then on the other hand you got Davis Mills who is now the starter the rest of the way after Tyrod Taylor's uh, performance getting hurt they claim it's more injury related although at this point you might as well just run Davis Mills out there and he hasn't exactly been great in his action as well it's a bad football team but even with that said i don't know if seattle's in a point the rest of this season right they should be eight and a half point favorites i don't i don't trust them at eight and a half at all
2: you mentioned the 49ers they got to get a win after that loss to seattle i'll crowbar this game in really quickly here to wrap things up minus one and a half for san francisco at cincinnati both teams really need this game with the Bengals. Coming off of a disappointing loss to the Chargers as well. The total is 48 and a half. High number, but I kind of like the over. You know the 49ers can run the ball. I actually think they'll make some plays through the air in the play-action game this week as well. And I love the matchups for the Bengals on the outside against the San Francisco secondary that's had some injuries. Look for T. Higgins, who's gotten going to be involved, and Jamar Chase to get back in the mix with a big catch or two. That's a 6-6 six six 49ers team trying to get back over five hundred after the Minnesota win on Thursday night. I know they have the tiebreaker, but you've really got to have it if you're San Fran against 7-5 and five Cincinnati. Let's wind things down with our Hail Mary and chuck a ball toward the end zone, Alex.
0: It's now time for the Hail Mary.
2: So while I was Finally, enjoying Grant. myself Finally, thoroughly man. in vain <laughs> last week, it sounds like you actually hit a Hail Mary first one of the season.
1: It's about time, huh? It took us to to week 13, but last week, Kirk Cousins, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, each had over 300 yards passing, plus 700 on that one. So finally on the board when it comes to the Hail Mary. And uh, I'm going with another combo this week. Not quarterbacks, wide receivers. Elijah Moore with Corey Davis out of the picture there in New York. Elijah Moore, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin and Jarvis Landry each to have 75 plus yards receiving a whopping plus 2,200 over at FanDuel.
2: Well, at least this is an actual Hail Mary. I mean, I keep giving you grief. You've gotten lower <laughs> and lower with your numbers. Originally, you're <laughs> plus oh, 1,400. You have an issues with... <laughs> yeah, plus 700 issues with plus is not 700. a Hail Mary. Plus 1,000 okay. or higher is what we're looking for. But you, you I will give you this one. I'm going to write it in pencil, though. I've got Devontae Adams. We'll go back to the well as the high man in receiving yards (laughs) in the NFL this weekend. Sunday spread, Golden Paulson. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back at it in week 15. Enjoy the NFL this weekend.
1: Get the table set for all your pro football wagering needs. You're listening to the Sunday
2: spread on the BetQL Network with Grant Paulson and Alex Gold.